Even some Christian scholars actually will look at this and go, well, this is probably a fable because of this verse. But we're going to go through that and see how actually, no, it's not a fable. Um, Even Jesus believed that this was true. So here's the verse, Jonah 1, verse 17. And the Lord appointed a great fish to swallow up Jonah. And Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. This is the word of the Lord. So the past couple of weeks, we've been looking at how Jonah has been running from God's call on his life. God has ordained him to go to the city of Nineveh to preach to them. And he's running from that. He doesn't want anything to do with going to Nineveh, so he's running away. But God is hot on his trail, not letting, out of, not letting him out of his sight. God is pursuing him and pursuing him and bringing calamity after calamity upon him. And here we see Jonah finally receiving judgment for his actions. But through God's judgment on Jonah, Jonah comes to realize God's grace and mercy. And that's basically the big idea for the message today, is through God's acts of justice, we realize his mercy and grace. Through God's acts of justice, we realize his mercy and grace. We're going to divide this into two parts. Number one, the merciful wonder of God through a fish. Number two, the miraculous grace of God through the grave. So the first point, the merciful wonder of God through a fish. First part of verse 17 again, and the Lord appointed a great fish to swallow up Jonah. Now, if you've grown up in the church or maybe attended MEI or uh, even been around in culture, this story is well known enough that you've probably heard this before. You've heard this story that, yeah, Jonah, oh, you mean the guy that got swallowed by a fish? This is a very well-known passage, a very well-known verse. Many of you millennials growing up, you probably watched the VeggieTales Jonah movie. Jonah was a prophet, right? You guys know that. Yeah, yeah, there's some laughing. They recognize it. So this is very well known. It's not like something new to us. But if you were reading this back when this first happened, or if you were hearing Jonah talk about this when he came back, this is absolutely shocking. This should shock you as you read the narrative. Yeah, he got thrown overboard. He's in the water. He's going to die. But a fish swallows him? Come on. It's shocking, and it should shock us. A man swallowed by a fish, and he survives? Yeah, it's shocking. The Hebrew word here for the fish is a general term that just means sea creature. So this could be a whale, could be a fish, could be some other creature in the sea that we aren't aware of. So this is just a sea creature that comes to swallow up Jonah and swallows him whole. And it sounds crazy, but this actually isn't out of the realm of possibility. There are a few facts, or here I'm going to share a few facts about a few different animals that could pull off something like this. Uh, First, the sperm whale. The sperm whale is one of the most aggressive whales in creation. It's also one of the largest Its mouth, just its mouth, is on average 20 feet long, 15 feet tall, and 9 feet wide. Okay? And you thought some of your friends had big mouths. In the late 1800s, there's a man named James Bartley 
who reportedly was a part of a whaling vessel. And as they were out in the South Pacific, there, there was a storm that came up. He was thrown overboard. His friends thought he was lost at sea. The next day, as they're whaling, they actually harpoon a sperm whale, and they pull it to shore, and they cut it open. And they find James inside, unconscious, but alive. So people investigated this, and there are some questions about if this is true or not. But nevertheless, this was reported by James. It was reported in numerous newspapers at the time. Another animal that could pull this off, the blue whale. The blue whale is the largest animal on the planet. Its tongue alone weighs as much as an elephant. And its mouth could hold up to 500 people at once. Okay, the humpback, or uh, the whale shark is another one. The whale shark, whale shark's the largest fish on the planet. The Divers Alert Network, which is an online uh, repository of information that divers send things into, reports of things that happen to them while they're out diving, recently received a report from an experienced diver who was leading a group on a dive alongside some whale sharks, and, and a whale shark turned and attempted to swallow her whole and swallowed her all the way up to her knees. But she was able to fight back, and it spat her out back into the water. Then there's this story from a couple of years ago off the coast of California. Um, there's a video actually coming about a humpback whales. So here's the video. Boom. Humpback whale. Can we play it again? Let's see it again. Here it is. Boom. Humpback whale comes up. Bites, pulls two kayakers out of the kayak into his mouth. Now they they uh, got away fine. They actually had no injuries. They did reports. They didn't even cry. They only wailed. But all of this stuff is interesting, right? We look at the God's creation and these amazing animals and the size of them and what they can do. And yes, we're amazed at these things. But that's not actually the point of the story. The big point of this part, this verse here, the big news is that God appointed the fish to go and swallow Jonah. God appointed the fish to go and swallow Jonah. This wasn't some fish, you know, big fish that just happened to be coming by and decided he wanted a kosher meal that day. This was a fish that had been sent and ordained by God to go and do this. Ordained by God for this task. It's the power of God on display. God has ordained a number of things already in this passage. He ordained the storm to come upon the boat that Jonah was in. God ordained the sailors to throw him overboard. And now God has ordained this fish. And at this point in the story, um, the sailors thought he was dead. Getting swallowed by a fish, surely Jonah thought he was dead. Actually, in chapter 2, which we'll look at next week, a couple of verses, says this. This is Jonah, Jonah's prayer to the Lord. He says, The waters closed in over me to take my life. The deep surrounded me. Weeds were wrapped around my head. So you get this image of him sinking, right? He knows he's going to die. 
I went down to the land whose bars closed on me forever. He thought he was a dead man. But God's justice had finally come upon this rebel prophet. But think about that. Was it only his justice? Was it only God's justice that came upon Jonah in this moment? Well, because we know the end, this is actually God's mercy, right? God's mercy was cloaked in this judgment. Jonah thought he could get away from being the one, the one ordained to go to Nineveh. But as we have seen, whatever God ordains to do his will, that thing will do his will. So this judgment that had come upon Jonah was an act of God's wonderful mercy, saving him in order to carry out his ordained purpose. See, God had ordained Jonah to go to Nineveh. He thought he could get out of it, but because God had ordained this to happen, this was going to happen. No matter what Jonah was going to try, this was going to happen. So this whole scene about him getting swallowed by a fish, all of the things that had come upon him, the storm, the the sinking down into the water, the getting swallowed by a fish, all of this, was being sent to Jonah as a wake-up call. Jonah, you're not going to get out of this. It's actually similar to the parable of the prodigal son when we look at what's happening here, the the whole story of Jonah. Similar to the parable of the prodigal son. So if you know that story, what happens? You've got... You got two sons who are farming with their father, and they're blessed by their father. Everything's going well, but the younger son decides, I've had enough of being under dad's rules. Don't want to work for dad anymore. I'm going to go my way. And so he tells his father, give me my inheritance so I can go on my way. I want to go live the way I want to live. And in Jewish culture, this, this was like saying, dad, I wish you were dead. You did not ask for an inheritance from a father that you loved. So the son, this prodigal son, is rebelling against his father, saying, give me my inheritance so I can go and do what I want. And he goes and does what he wants. And he goes and he spends it all on his partying and on his women and on his substances and all of these things. And he's running away and running away and all the money is finally gone. And now he finds himself Far away, in a faraway land, it says. Kind of like how Jonah was going to a faraway land trying to get to Tarshish. And this prodigal son, as he is in this faraway land, he finds himself in such a desperation that he goes to a pig farmer. Now again, if you're a Jewish hearer of this story, you're going, pigs? The epitome of uncleanness, the epitome of filth. We want nothing to do with pigs. And yet here's this Jewish boy who has run far away, trying to get away from God, trying to get away from his father at the lowest of the low, now feeding pigs in a pigsty. Have you ever been to a pigsty? Have you ever even been to a hog barn? Do you know the stench that's there? If you've, if you've smelt um, hog manure while it's being spread. I mean, we used to live on Sumas Mountain, and when they would spread that in the valley, that like a couple of kilometers away, and you, the, you wouldn't be able to sit outside on our deck. That stench is awful. If you ever go into a hog barn, sometimes you're in there long enough, that smell is on you so long, you, you can't wash it off for days sometimes. 
horrible. So what do we see with this prodigal son as he's running away? We see God's judgment coming upon him. He's rebelling. He's running away. He thinks he's running in freedom. But as he's running away in freedom, he's actually the agent of his own judgment that God is using on him. But it's in that pigsty when this prodigal son realizes what he's done, realizes what he's turned his back on. He wakes up. It's a wake-up call. And he runs back to his father's embrace. God could have stopped Jonah from running, right? If you think about when Jonah is running away from Samaria and he's running down to Joppa and he goes to the shore and he sees the sailors, he gets on the boat. God could have stopped him somewhere along those lines. He could have said, hey, you know what? I'm actually going to send the Israeli army and they're going to grab you and they're going to deliver you up to Nineveh to do what I want you to do. But that's not what God did, did he? God let him run away in rebellion, step by step, further and further away. Till he was in the belly of a fish, the lowest of the low, the absolute breath within a breath of death. And it's then that he repents. It's then that God gets a hold of him. When we think of testimonies we've heard of people, sometimes, you know, you go to a baptism or maybe you know a friend and you hear these radical testimonies of people who have run far from the Lord and they've, they've, they've maybe grew up in the church and they've, they've run away and they've lived like the prodigal son. They've run away like Jonah did. And then what do you hear from them? You hear about how when they're in their lowest point, how when they reach the end of themselves, how when they reach the end of trying to get all the, the pleasure and all of the, the satisfaction from the world that they realize that these things are going to fail them. And so they realize the only answer is to come back to God. They realize the only answer to have fulfillment in this life, the only thing that can fill the emptiness that is within them is Jesus. God allows us, though, to run into his judgment through pigsties and fish bellies so that we realize his love and mercy and turn back to him. And I think some who are listening are probably far from God right now. Maybe you've... Maybe like we were talking about, they're like the prodigal son. You, you knew grace, you knew goodness, you've grown up in the church, and yet you're running away because you're going, yeah, I just want to do things my own way. Maybe you didn't even start by running, but just rather have made little choice after little choice, and now you find yourself just far off, far away from where you know God wants you to be. You're experiencing God's discipline right now for your choices. But through that discipline, you are also hearing his mercy. You're hearing his mercy that if you come back, you can be forgiven. 
You're not too far from his mercy. You're not too far for his grace. So the question is, are you going to wake up? Or are you going to keep enjoying the stench that you're in? God will go to great lengths to show us his mercy. But he'll even show us, or he'll go to even greater lengths to give us his grace. So second point, the miraculous grace of God through the grave. Second half of that verse. And Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. So try to imagine being in the belly of a fish. Uh, you can you can imagine being in there pitch black, probably stinks. You're surrounded by these like fleshy mucus walls that are gases and acids trying to digest you. It's gross, right? Trying to catch a breath here and there if a pocket of air somehow shows up. And so the author is trying to give us this, this picture here that he's swallowed by a fish. He's in there three days and three nights. And this is the kind of environment he's in. And this, this means what the author is saying here that he's like dead as a doornail is what a phrase that we would use. Like there's no way that he should be able to come back from this. But within this verse, in Hebrew, there's an accent that causes the reader to pause. And so it's like you're reading it and you read, Jonah swallowed in the belly of the fish and he's in there three days and three nights. What? It's like there's this dramatic pause, like when you're watching a show, uh, I don't know, when you think of The Voice, you're watching The Voice and you've got the contestant up there and the two people, you've got Blake Shelton and you've got Kelly Clarkson fighting over this contestant to be on their teams, right? And then right, the person goes, okay, I choose to be on team and then this is the voice. And then you're at commercials, right? And you're supposed to wait and wait for the dramatic finish to this. What team is this person going to choose to go to? Or, or maybe it's Survivor is your favorite one and, and Jeff comes with the votes and, he, and he's just about to read the votes and off you are to another commercial. Come back for the dramatic conclusion. This is what the author is trying to make you feel in this moment. Is this the end for Jonah? Matthew 12, Jesus actually refers to this, to Jonah's watery grave. Matthew 12, verses 38 to 40. Jesus is speaking to some scribes and Pharisees. So then some scribes and Pharisees answered him saying, Teacher, we wish to see a sign from you. But he answered them, An evil and adulterous generation seeks for a sign, but no sign will be given to it except the sign of of the prophet Jonah. For just as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the great fish, so will the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. It's also pretty dramatic, right? You're listening to Jesus say that, you're like, Come again? What does that mean, Jesus? And for us on this side of the cross, at this point in salvation history, 2,000 years after Jesus' life, death, and resurrection and ascension, we know just how dramatic this was. So we're going to look at a few comparisons here, a few parallels that we see between Jonah's 
situation and Jesus's. So Jonah's grave and Jesus's grave. First, com- first comparison, the sacrificial death. So last week we talked about how the sacrificial of one particular man was needed to save the sailors. So the sacrifice of Jonah into the water was needed to save the sailors. And for us, the sacrifice of one particular man is needed for, to save us from our destruction. And that's Jesus. So the sacrificial nature of Jonah's death was a shadow of what Jesus would do. So the second comparison or the second parallel, the time of burial. Jonah's buried in the belly of a great fish for three days, but he wasn't actually dead. To quote the classic movie, The Princess Bride, he was just mostly dead. But on the cross, Jesus died. Jesus was dead, no longer breathing, no longer heart beating. A Roman soldier pierced his side all the way up to where his heart is with a spear and water and blood came pouring out. Jesus was dead, fully dead. Both Jonah and Jesus in their graves three days and three nights. Jonah comes back, but he was never really dead. Jesus comes back after being fully dead and defeating death. Third, the reason for the resurrection. Both Jonah and Jesus resurrected from their graves for a purpose. Jonah was to fulfill his ordained purpose to bring God's word to the Gentile Ninevites so that they could experience God's grace. Jesus resurrected to fulfill his ordained purpose as the Messiah, defeating Satan, sin, and death, and sending his gospel to a Gentile world so that we could experience God's grace. You see, Jesus took God's judgment for our sins so we could realize his grace. Jesus took God's judgment on himself for our sins so that we could realize God's grace. Romans 5.8 says, But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. You see the great lengths that God goes to to show his mercy and grace? God goes to great lengths to show his mercy to Jonah and to Nineveh. But God goes to the greatest of lengths to shower us with his grace. So I don't know where you're at with the Lord. If you are uh, tempted to run from him, if you are running from him, if you have been running for a long time. But take this as a wake-up call. Look at the situation you're in as you're pursuing those pleasures of the world, as you know that you're running in sin, away from God, away from the things that he's called you to do, who he's called you to be. Think about the emptiness you're feeling. It's a wake-up call. God is calling you to turn from those things, to turn from trying to find fulfillment in the things of this world and to find fulfillment in Jesus Christ. His perfect death as a perfect sacrifice for you and his resurrection... (laughs) as a guarantee of your eternal life.
You may think you're running in freedom, but God just using you as an agent of his justice on you. So turn away from running in rebellion, run to Jesus, and know his grace. We pray with me. Father, I thank you for your word. Lord, that we can come to your word and see this amazing story of Jonah and hear about his experience. Lord, that we can see your sovereignty over things like storms, over things like fish. And Lord, you exercise your sovereignty and even bring discipline and justice and judgment on us in order for us to turn back to you. So Lord, for those who are running far from you right now, Holy Spirit, I pray that you're working in their hearts and minds at this moment, calling them to turn. So Holy Spirit, continue your work of conviction and calling and guidance. And lead us all, Lord. Lead us all in our lives to repent of our sins and to turn and follow you. Father, I thank you for everyone in this room and thank you that we're here this morning. Pray that you continue to bless us as we go to the Lord's table and as we worship you more. In your name, Jesus. Amen.